Hey folks, before we start episode 12, just a slight correction from last episode. In episode 11, I mentioned that Wright State was taking on Wayne State out of Michigan. That is incorrect. The Wayne State that Wright State welcomed in is Wayne State College out of Wayne, Nebraska. With that correction out of the way, let's begin episode number 12. Enjoy. This is The Gem on the Queen's Crown, a podcast talking about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Here's the host, Lee W. Mowen. Episode number 12 of The Gem on the Queen's Crown. It's almost like this is the first time you're hearing this is episode 12 and you forgot to look at the title for some reason. Anyway, welcome back to the Sunday Sports Podcast, telling you the great things happening in Southwest Ohio sports. Before we dive into sports and the introduction, I'd like to point your attention to some news that happened to one of our northern Miami Valley cities. Sunday, November 5th, we had a tornado hit Salina, Ohio. And depending on where you find your sources, this is from the Associated Press and being shared on WLWT NBC5 in Cincinnati, Salina got hit with a tornado and eight people were injured, according to the article that I'm reading. Six people hurt at a restaurant, one person hurt at another business, one person hurt in a car crash when a utility pole fell which if you see the videos of the damage, you'll know that it wasn't just one. It was like a whole entire string of utility poles smashed, trashed, and bastardized away. So, if you don't live near the Salina area, keep these fine folks in your thoughts, please. But if you do, I implore you, find out if there's any way you can help clean up Salina, any way... You can help out the businesses, bring out the humanity, and help out this town that got hit with the tornado. Also on the sports side, the tornado did hit Montgomery Field, which is the baseball home for Salina High School Bulldogs, Wright State University Lake Campus Lakers, and also the Mariners of Grand Lake, a summer league that we've talked a couple times about on the podcast. Montgomery Field was a bit damaged from the storm. According to StatelineSportsNetwork.net, the news article that I'm pulling this up and shared on my Twitter account, the press box suffered damage, first base fence got tore up, and one of the poles and the lights over Montgomery Field fell down from the storm. So again, if you live near the Salina area, see if you can help out, and if you don't, Keep these fine folks in your thoughts. We move on to episode 12. You can listen to this podcast on the host, GemCitySports.com. You can also listen on TheLeeWMowen.com. That's my website. Also, the new home to the Gem on the Queen's Crown at StreamPod.net. All 11 episodes are available at StreamPod.net. Available for you to plug in your 
headphones, or if you don't like headphones, earbuds, or if you don't like those, a speaker, or if you want to listen through your laptop or computer, that's fine too. Just make sure you don't bother the people next to you. Be nice. Again, StreamPod, GCSN, theleewmallon.com, and also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, you can get email updates. You can do this one of two ways. Go to my website, theleewmallon.com, click on the podcast tab, and subscribe from there. Or, you can give the Gem and the Queen's Crown page a big old thumbs up. That's like, in our terms. And hit the sign up button, where you can put in your email and get my updates on the podcast straight to your inbox email. Or, as I ran a script earlier this week, email box. And the first take of this, I was questioning for about 20 seconds. Is email box a right term? Then I decided, who cares, because I kind of ran out of steam and I decided to do another take. Interesting. Actually, what is interesting is episode 12. We change from fall sports... And also fall weather to winter, well, except yesterday because it was 70 degrees and felt quite spring-like outside. Winter sports are starting to emerge. If you live in the Sinday area, you know that college basketball has just went through a couple of exhibitions. Wright State, Dayton, Cincinnati, Xavier. No exclusions on the D1 schools in Southwest Ohio. I believe Norfolk, Kentucky also had one. Not 100% sure on the Red Hawks, however, but we'll talk about that as we bring you updates of fall sports. There's a lot going on in high school sports to close out the fall and bring up winter. Hopefully, in episode 14, we'll see if Jim DeBelt can join me again to talk about the start of high school basketball in southwest Ohio. But for now, we have playoff brackets for soccer, volleyball, and football. We'll go ahead and start with volleyball. Again, this is from SWDAB.org, the Southwest District Athletic Board, covering Dayton, Cincinnati, and Springfield. You know the sort. On November 9th and 10th, girls volleyball will have their state semifinals at Wright State University's Nutter Center. Division 1, your local school is Ursuline Academy. They'll be taking on Dublin Kaufman, that'll be Thursday, November 9th at 2 in the afternoon. For Division 2, it's Archbishop Alter, hailing from Kettering, Ohio. They'll take on Sunbury's Big Walnut on Friday, November 10th at 6 p.m. And Division 3, on Friday, November 10th at 2, will be Versailles taking on Tuscawaras Valley. Again, this is happening at Wright State University's Nutter Center. I believe it's the only time where volleyball is played in the big part of the Nutter Center, Wright State Volleyball and the McLean Gym behind the basketball court. Do we look at the brackets? For Division One, Ursuline Academy out of Cincinnati. This is the Region 4 bracket out of Westchester, Ursuline Academy, taking down Mason in five sets and Mount Notre Dame in four. On the other side of the brackets, depending on who wins Dublin Kaufman versus Ursuline Academy, it will be Massillon Jackson and Cleveland St. Joseph Academy. 
in Regions 1 and 2, respectfully. And the winner of those games at Wright State will play on the 11th at Wright State at 11 a.m. for the Division I State Championship. So Cincinnati looking for the D1 side of things. For Division Two. like I mentioned, Alter will take on Sunbury Big Walnut. For Big Walnut, they had a four-set win over Dover and a four-set win over Granville. Alter, in Region 8 in Vandalia, took down Bishop Fenwick in five sets, Kenton Ridge in four, and now the winner of Big Walnut and Alter will take on the winner of Padua Franciscan and Mentor Lake Catholic out of Region 7 and 5, respectively. And that match for the state championship Division 2 will be November 11th at 5 at Wright State's Nutter Center. It's neat to see that the state tournament is being held locally at Wright State. We now look at Division 3, mentioned Versailles. Their route, they took down Johnstown Monroe in four sets, and Miami East in five sets in the Kettering region, region 12. And Tuscarawas Valley went picking up the first sweep I mentioned, a three-set sweep of Wheelersburg, and another three-set sweep of Southeastern. And Coldwater is in region 10, not mentioned on the Southwest Athletic Board site. I think technically, once you get up north, it's northwest, but Coldwater is in the area, so Coldwater Cavaliers will get a mention. The Cavs will take on Independence. Coldwater going through the Millbury Region 10 bracket, sweeping Pleasant and Eastwood, setting up a battle of Wright State on the 10th at noon against Independence. Winner of Coldwater Independence faces Versailles and Tuscaroras Valley could have an all-Southwest Ohio battle at Wright State at 3 on the 11th. And lastly, Division 4. It's all winding down from this. The local representative will be New Bremen. They're part of the Clayton Region 16 bracket, sweeping Jackson Center and winning in four sets against Fort Loramie to set up their battle at 4 o'clock on the 9th at Wright State against New Washington Buckeye Central. On the other side of the bracket is Region 13 Uniontown and Region 15 Lancaster, or Lancaster. I think it's Lancaster in Ohio, though. It's Louisville St. Thomas Aquinas against Lancaster's Fairfield Christian. Winner of that game plays for the state on the 11th at 1 o'clock. That's your local... Look on volleyball, semifinals and finals happening this week, and then volleyball is done for the girls until fall 2018. We now look at the girls' soccer bracket, state semifinals November 7th, which is tomorrow, from the day I'm recording this. We look at Division 1, Loveland out of Cincinnati, ranked second. We'll take on Powell's Olentangy Liberty. The Tigers of Loveland come in at 20-1 and and Liberty at 13-5-3. Loveland from Region 4 took down Fairfield 2-1 and beat Springboro in one overtime, 1-0. The Panthers falling to 17-1-12 after Loveland took them down in overtime. 
So Loveland against Olentangy Liberty out of the Columbus area. Winner of that at Centerville's Alumni Stadium on the 7th at 7. We'll wait for the winner at Sandusky High School's Massillon-Jackson Battle versus Perrysburg. The Yellow Jackets ranked 7th. Winner of that will play at Mafre Stadium in Columbus, Ohio, home of the Columbus Crew SC, who, by the way, are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals against Toronto FC. Hashtag save the crew. Again at Mafre Stadium on the 10th of November. Time to be announced for the Division I State Championship in girls soccer. Loveland, the lone representation from the Sinday area. Region 2 for girls soccer. Cincinnati's Indian Hill takes on Sunbury Big Walnut. Indian Hill, 20 wins and 1 draw. Against Big Walnut's 16-2-4 record at Kettering Fairmont High School, which is the 7th at 7 o'clock. Hey, a local semifinal game in Kettering. That's local. Indian Hill from Region 8 took down Bellbrook by a 3-0 score, the first defeat that the Golden Eagles suffered. And I know it was a tough loss on the Golden Eagles. And my good buddy Chad Hollingsworth, the PA for the JV squad, Falls, the team takes pictures and updates all the info. Bellbrook fell to Indian Hill. Bellbrook ranked 7th in D2. Indian Hill ranking number 1. And then the Braves of Indian Hill took down Tippecanoe by a 4-1 margin. Tippecanoe 16-3-1 coming into that match. So Indian Hill taking on Big Walnuts at Kettering Fairmont High School. And the winner will play at Mafre Stadium in Columbus on the 10th. Again, time to be announced. Taking on the winner of Mentors, Lake Catholic, and Mansfield-Madison. Ranked number 6, Mansfield-Madison is at 21-1-0 against Lake Catholic at 17-3-1. Now to Division 3, the final division in girls' soccer. Cincinnati's Summit Country Day, ranked number one Division Three at a 20-1 record. They went through Region 12 against West Liberty Salem, 3-0, and a 1-0 win against Madeira, who finished 16-5 on the year. Taking on Grandview Heights at Beaver Creek High School on the 7th at 7 o'clock. Winner will wait in Columbus on the 10th. Again, time to be announced. For the winner of Kirkland, who's ranked number 9 with 14-4-3 record against Liberty Benton from Finley at 16-3-2. On to boys soccer. We pull up the brackets and look at Division 1 quickly. Beaver Creek, the Beavers ranked number 2 in D1. Have a tough contest against number 3 Dublin Kaufman. Beavers are 20 wins, 0 losses, and 2 draws. Dublin Kaufman, 18, 1, and 2. Like I said, 2 versus 3. Beaver Creek coming out of Region 4. Knocking off the Centerville Elks 4 to 1. And then taking down Anderson, who was ranked number 8 by 3 to 2 margin. And on the other side of the bracket awaits Cleveland St. Ignatius against Medina. St. I at 15, 3, and 2, ranked number 9. And Medina, 15, 1, and 5. That's at Nordonia High School. Kaufman and Beaver Creek at London High School, which is in central Ohio. Winner goes to the home of the crew on the 11th. Time to be announced. Now time for D2. 
It's hard to believe state semifinals and finals are here, but wouldn't you know it, that's what's happened. In Division Two, it will be Archbishop Alter taking on St. Francis de Sales out of Springfield High School. In Division Two, it will be Kettering's Archbishop Alter taking on Columbus's St. Francis de Sales at Springfield High School in Clark County. St. Francis de Sales, ranked number one, Division Two. They are at 20-0-1. Alter, 17 wins, 2 losses, 3 draws. Alter took down Wyoming 1-0 first before knocking off Tippecanoe 2-0 at Centerville. And they will play for a chance to win the D2 state championship. On the other side of the bracket, it's Bay Village Bay at 14-4-1, taking on 14-3-4 Aurora. The winner of that team will face the winner of Alter and DeSales at, you guessed it, Moffray Stadium in Columbus, Ohio. Lastly, Division 3. At Xenia High School, it's Summit Country Day, ranked number 1 Division 3 at 16-3-2. Taking on number 2, Grandview Heights, 17 wins, 4 draws. Summit Country Day took down Dayton Christian 1-0 and then Troy Christian 2-0 in Region 12 setting up the battle against Grandview Heights at Xenia on the 8th of November at 7. On the other side of the bracket is Kidron Central Christian at 15-4-2 against Toledo's Ottawa Hills at 19-0-2, ranked number 3 in Division 3. Winner of those two games goes to Mothray Stadium on the 11th, time to be announced. And I believe, actually the 11th is in five days, so we will have the state winners on episode 13. And we do have a special surprise for you for episode 13, but we'll save that for the ending, just to make sure you listen throughout episode 12. Now on for football playoffs. Did you get a chance to listen? I certainly did. And... Sinday represented quite well. A couple good wins, a couple tough losses. But let's go ahead and give you the results from Division 1, Region 3, and Week 1 of the playoffs. Number 1, Centerville, 35. Number 8, Hilliard Darby, 0. Number 2, Hilliard Bradley, 49. Number 7, Kettering Fairmont, 14. Number 3, Pickerington Central, 41. Northmont, number 6, 21. And number four, Wayne, falls against Pickerington North, number five, and Huber Heights, 41-20, to Warriors fall. So the lone representative in Division One Region 3 is the Centerville Elks, number one in D1 Region 3, taking on number five, Pickerington North, and Hilliard Bradley taking on Pickerington Central to see who will move on to the third week of playoffs. Big win. For the Elks, the lone Sinday win in Division One, Region 3. Like I mentioned last week, mostly Columbus schools, but the biggest Sinday schools also in the mix too. Now we move on to Division One, Region 4, a region and playoff battle that I mentioned was all Cincinnati. We'll start with number one, it was St. X knocking off number eight, Fairfield, 40-12. to Number two, Coleraine. Shutting out the Mola Crusaders at number 7, 45 to nothing. Your 3-6 and six battle, the Wolves of West Claremont making the playoffs their first year as a school, falling to the Comets of Mason, 26 nothing. 
And your 4-5 and five battle went to two overtimes before Sycamore pulled out a 41-35 win against number 5 Milford and the Eagles. The Eagles' first playoff trip since the 1980s. So round two looks like this. It's St. X against Sycamore, your 1-4 and four battle. And your 2-3 and three is Coleraine taking on Mason. And then round three will be the winner of those four schools I just happened to mention. Division 2, Region 8. Your finals look like this. Number 1, LaSalle, 45. Number 8, Harrison, 10. Your 2 and 7 battle, Winton Woods puts up a ton of points against number 7, Chillicothe. Although it started off as a shootout, Winton Woods pulls away with a 61-27 to win over Chillicothe. 3 and 6, Anderson shuts out visiting Troy and the Trojans, 33-0. The Redskins win. And number four, Sydney, pulls up with a 46-33 win against number five, Belmont, and the Bison. Yellow Jackets with the win. Now move on against number one, LaSalle. And your two and three battle is Winton Woods taking on Anderson. And I do have to mention, with the exception of Winton Woods and LaSalle, Sydney and Anderson's helmets on OhioHSHelmets.webs.com in the 2017 playoff tab again. They flip two of them and Sydney has the state of Ohio outline in Sydney across the state and Anderson High School AHS with two feathers, orange tips off the A. You really thought I was going to forget about the helmets? So we move on to Division 3, Region 12. Number 1, Trotwood Madison 48 against number 8, Elida 7. 2 and 7, Jamna Julian Snaps an eight-game losing streak to the Alter Knights. Eagles defeat Alter 49-28. to 3-6. New Richmond pulls up the upset against Franklin. 17-10. New Richmond over the Wildcats. And your 4-5 and five battle could not be any closer. Seriously, there's no half points in Ohio high school football. Not like you need me to reconfirm that. Dunbar 28. Goshen 27. So your battles look like this. Trotwood Madison takes on Dunbar, your 1 and 5 battle, and your 6 and 7 will be New Richmond against Chaminade Julienne. Onwards to Division 4, Region 16. The undefeated Valley View Spartans, which someone said online looked just like the state winning teams Valley View had in 94, 96, and 97. They take down number 8 Waverly in Germantown, 42 0. 2 and 7, Wyoming 10 against London 7. 3 and 6, Taft Falls against number 6, Indian Hill. Braves win at 47 22. And Clinton Massey takes down number 5, Jonathan Alder in the 4 5 matchup, 17 7. That sets up the following battle Valley View Clinton Massey, like I mentioned. Two really good football programs, two with a lot of history in the playoffs against each other Falcons and Spartans. And number 6, Indian Hill, will take on Cincinnati, Wyoming. Division 5, Region 20. It was an upset as Redding comes back. We're just seconds away on the clock in the fourth quarter. The Blue Devils take down Miami East 27-25. The Vikings were the number one seed in Division 5, Region 20. 2-7, and seven, it is Middletown Masson, their first trip to the playoffs. The Mohawks defeat the Rockets of Anna 14-10. 3-6, Greenview falls on the short end of a 47-24 scoreboard at number 3, Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. 
And Bethel Tate falls against undefeated West Jefferson. It's West Jefferson with a 48-18 win over the Tigers. That sets up a 5-8 and eight battle. West Jefferson against Redding. And CHCA against Middletown Madison. Division 6, Region 24. Coldwater defeats Bethel 42-7. Lima Central Catholic holds off Dayton Christian 45-7. That's your 1-8 battle. Spencerville shuts out number 6 Mechanicsburg 34-0. And Fort Recovery fails to find the end zone with a 27-0 loss to number 2 Marion Local. So the Flyers will take on number 3 Spencerville and the Bearcats. And number 1 Lima Central Catholic takes on number 4 Coldwater. Just one more division and region to talk about. You know the one. Division 7, Region 28. Crestview takes down Ansonia 63-22. Layman Catholic puts a 46-6 decision against Perry. St. John's, Delpho St. John's defeats Riverside 48-21. Minster wins against Fort Loramie 40-24. So you're round 2 in... Division 7, Region 28 is number 1, Crestview against number 4, Minster, and number 2, Layman Catholic against number 3, Defo St. John's. That's your look at your football playoffs, your high school playoffs. It's hard to believe that fall sports are winding down. Every week we start to lose the stations where we can listen to the games. By we, I mean me. I like doing that. When I get a chance, I like listening to local sports. That's why I started this podcast. But, oh, wait, high schools aren't the only one that have false sports, right? Well, I do say I'm correct. So we look at college fall sports from the D1 schools in southwest Ohio. We'll start off with Wright State, as the women's soccer team went 12-8 and overall and 6-3 and in the Horizon League. The three losses came against the 1-2-3 and teams in the Horizon League. The Raiders got a quarterfinal game at home against UIC, won it 2-1 with two second-half goals against the Flames. And by the way, for UIC, in their fourth year of existence, holding women's soccer, their first trip to the tournament, their first goal scored, I think, about halfway through the first half. First tournament game for the Flames. They played quite well. The Raiders came up on top 2-1. to one. And then the Raiders gave Milwaukee everything they could handle. Number one, Milwaukee. They haven't lost a match this whole season. And technically, they still haven't because I'll spoil it in a second. The Panthers knock off the Raiders in two overtimes, two to one, in the semis. And it was a battle of Milwaukee against IUPUI. Like I mentioned a couple times, the newcomers to the Horizon League. And the Jaguars defeat the Panthers on penalty kicks to win the title. And like I mentioned, your official results, that's not a loss, that's a draw, because you have to go to penalty kicks, and in regular season, you don't get penalty kicks. You get draws, and that's it. For men's soccer, by the way, with that semifinal loss, the Raiders season is over with a 12-8 and overall record. Men's soccer, they're starting their quarterfinals on the 6th of November, that's tonight. At 7 o'clock, Wright State, number 4 in the Horizon League tournament, will host number 5, Cleveland State, for a chance to play in the semis, which will be hosted by number 2, UIC in Chicago, as number 1, Green Bay, they do not have the facilities to host such event. 
So men's soccer, 10-6-1 overall, 6-3 in the Horizon League. And from the last interview with Coach Brian Davis on the 2-0 regular season finale win at home against IUPUI, he mentioned this is the fourth season in a row with double-digit victories, which is the first in Wright State's history since 1992, when Greg Andrulis was at the helm of the Raiders before he took the job of the Columbus crew and currently with the George Mason Patriots. For volleyball, the Raiders are 9-18 and 3-11 in the Horizon League with two home matches left in the regular season, hosting Youngstown State Wednesday the 8th and Milwaukee Panthers on the 10th of Friday. Raiders are in 8th place of 9 teams in the Horizon League where you have to be in the top 6 to move on to the tournament, which is held by the number one team in the league. Wright State Club football, I could not find any information after their Ohio State loss on the road. Very close loss at Lincoln Field. Raiders could not pull out a win in Columbus. And their last game was at Pitt. I heard that the Raiders had 16 players on that trip. Did not hear of a final score. Couldn't find information on Pitt's club football site couldn't find any information, so I do apologize about that, but another good season turned in by the Raiders Gridiron Squad. Like I said, even though they're not officially part of the athletic department, you should go check them out. Club hockey in the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League. The Raiders are 0-10-0, according to this. Actually, I know... They are at least 1-10-0 as they took down Denison the first game on the road. In league stats, the Raiders have scored 20 goals in league play while allowing 96 for a negative 76 mark. And that wraps up the fall portion of the Raiders slate. We move on to the Dayton Flyers. Their women's soccer team went 9-9-2 overall winning the last few games to be the last team in to the Atlantic 10 tournament. Flyers went 4-4-2 in conference play, fell in the quarterfinal at number one LaSalle. Explorers ended up winning the women's soccer title. 3-2 Flyers on the short end of the scoreboard. Men's soccer just finished up their season on Saturday with a quarterfinal loss. The Flyers went 9-8-2, and 6-2 and in 8-10 play. They fell to number 5 Fordham, which had a very good top 10 in the nation defense. Fordham won it 3-2. And the Rams of Fordham will come back as the Flyers are hosting the semifinals and finals at Beaujean Field. And fans, I know the Dayton Flyers aren't in it, but I urge you, if you want to see some good college soccer, come on out. I promise you won't be disappointed you might even hear my voice. Okay, if you don't like soccer, just come out and hear my voice. Actually, no, don't do that. Come out because you like soccer. So both soccer seasons done at Wright State and Dayton. We move on to volleyball. The Flyers are 20-7 and overall and 11-1 and in A-10 play. They dropped that contest to VCU on the road in five sets. What a classic that was. The Flyers wrapped up their home portion they took down Fordham in four. They're at George Washington and George Mason Friday and Saturday this week. The tournament is held at Duquesne. Unlike the Horizon League, 
The A-10 will pick who's hosting ahead of time. For women's soccer, I believe it was Sports Backer Stadium. I think that's at Richmond, Virginia. For Wright State in the Horizon League, you have to be the number one seed. Or, in this case, you have to be the highest seed and actually have the facilities to host. Like I mentioned, for men's soccer, Green Bay, they were the number one seed. However, they don't have the fields to host the tournament. Therefore, it's in Chicago, not the quarterfinal games. And actually, this year, the A-10 did something different with their uh, with their soccer tournament. Normally, it used to be whoever hosted, hosted the whole thing, which means four quarterfinal games, two semifinal games, and the final. This year, they went a little bit... Uh, similar to what the Horizon League did, where the higher seeds got to host quarterfinal games. This case, it was 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, 6, 7, 8 had to travel to said quarterfinals. And then Dayton gets to host semifinals and finals. We move on to football. The Flyers are 5-5 five and five overall, with one more game left in the regular season. They're currently 4-3 and three in Pioneer Football League play. Last game for the Flyers of the regular season is at Valparaiso, Indiana on Saturday, November 18th. The Flyers have a bye this week. And for club hockey, the Flyers in TSCHL play are 3-3. Three three. They have scored 18 goals, allowed 20, which is a negative 2 in goal differential. And the Flyers call Kettering Ice Arena home sweet home all by themselves. Wright State, like I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, home at Springfield's. NTPRD Chiller. Now we move on to the Miami Redhawks. I couldn't find any information on club football, getting that out of the way. No men's soccer for the Miami Redhawks. Women's soccer went 2-15-1 overall. A rough year for the Hawks. And in conference play, Miami 2-8-1. Volleyball, a good year so far for MU. 19-8 and 11-3 in Mid-American Conference play. This upcoming weekend, they're at Buffalo and Akron, and the tournament will be held at Oxford's Millette Hall, the home of the Miami Red Hawks volleyball and basketball teams. As Chick Lugwit always says, the biggest living room in America, or something close to that. Red Hawks on the gridiron, 3-6 and six overall. They need three wins to qualify for a bowl. This is not three wins in a row, not like last year where the Red Hawks were 0-6 and, and then 1-6 to get into a bowl and lost that bowl very heartbreakingly. These Red Hawks are 3-6 and six this year, 2-3 and three in conference play. Home versus Akron on the 7th, home against Eastern Michigan on the 15th, that's a Wednesday, mind you, and at Ball State on November 21st. Varsity Hockey, the Red Hawks are currently 4-4, four and four, the young start to the season. 1-1 one one in the National Collegiate Hockey Conference, their lone conference series so far. Was a split against Colorado College, winning the first game in OT and losing the second in regulation. For club hockey, the Red Hawks in Tri-State CHL play again. Red Hawks ten and two, thirty points, which is first in the league, which is mostly schools from Ohio, with a couple exceptions, you know Pittsburgh and Louisville, because they're not in Ohio, and I know my states. Club hockey. They have the second-best goal differential, scoring 70 goals and only allowing 19, a plus 51. And that allows me to move on to the club hockey team that actually has the best, the Cincinnati Bearcats. 
They're eight and two. They're in second place behind Miami with twenty four points, and the Bearcats have scored seventy nine goals, nine more than the Hawks. They've given up a little bit more than Miami at twenty seven, but the di- differential is at plus fifty two. That's outstanding. We move to varsity sports for women's soccer. Like I mentioned, I got a chance to PA three matches at Gettler Stadium. Hopefully, I'll get some more chances at UC. Cincinnati went 12-4-3 overall, 5-2-2 in the American Athletic Conference. The Bearcats fell in the quarterfinals against Southern Methodist, 1-0 at Gettler. Men's soccer went 7-9-1 overall, 0-7 in the American, and failed to make the tournament as now spring ball awaits UC. For the Gridiron Bearcats, they picked up a very close win at Tulane just this weekend. Heard a little bit of the radio call from Dan Horde. Three and six is Cincinnati, one and four in the league. With three matches left, home versus Temple on the 10th, at East Carolina on the 18th, and at home against UConn on the 25th. For volleyball, the Bearcats are 10 and 16 overall, eight and six in the league, with six matches left. Home matches against Memphis and Wichita State, the newcomers in the AAC. At Tulane and at Houston on the 17th and 19th. And at home and home series, home against East Carolina on the 22nd, at East Carolina on the 24th. And now we jump to the Xavier Musketeers, last D1 school in Southwest Ohio. Women's soccer went 8-8-4 and 4-3-2 in the Big East, fell in the quarterfinal match at Marquette by a score of 3-0. Men's soccer will be moving on to the semifinals as they defeated Providence 3-0. They won 11-5-2 overall and 5-4 in the Big East. Volleyball is 10-18 overall at the Cintas Center, 5-9 in the Big East. Home versus Creighton on the 11th and Providence on the 12th. At St. John's November 17th, Seton Hall the 18th. And the Big East tournament will be at Marquette in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And lastly for the Muskies, club hockey in tri-state play, 1-5-1 are the Musketeers with 4 points, a goal differential of negative 16, 14 goals scored, 30 allowed. And that's your look at the D1 schools in the area. But wait, you didn't mention basketball. You did not mention that because you said at the beginning, the start of the season is here. Well, I didn't say it was done. Let's look at those, shall we? Says I. Talking to you, the listener, who is hopefully enjoying the Gem on the Queen's Crown episode 12. And don't forget, you can subscribe via email on my website, theleadwmallon.com. Click on podcast, or give the Facebook page a like and subscribe there. The Gem on the Queen's Crown on Facebook, sign up, and there you go. That happens to be a way to get him on email. Also on gemcitysports.com, theleadwmallon.com. Spreadpod.net, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and of course, iTunes. We look at that exhibition for Wright State first. Men's basketball defeating Wayne State College. As the Wildcats from Wayne, Nebraska made the long drive to Dayton, Ohio. Raiders won 73-58. Raiders led 40-39 at the half before pulling away with a 33-19 second-half accord and winning 73-58. We look at the box score. Leading scorer for Wright State with 23 points, Justin Mitchell. 
Had himself a 10 for 19 day. Also pulled down 12 total rebounds in the win. And a block and three steals to boot in 37 minutes. Playing all but three minutes was Justin Mitchell. Mark Hughes right behind him in points with 21. And Loudon Love with 17 and 12 rebounds. That's your second Raider with a double-double. Good win by Wright State as 10 Raiders saw the court in that exhibition win. Also, I spy Miami's Bergs' Adam Giles making an appearance on the court, a walk-on for Wright State. Remember covering his Miamisburg Vikings a couple times, especially that year where the Berg went 9-1 in the G-Walk South, which is no longer a thing. I mean, G-Walk South. The G-Walk is still very much a thing, but not the G-Walk South, as Miamisburg's now... I don't even remember what that part of the conference is called, but they're with Springboro, Lebanon, which makes sense. That's part of the G-Walk South, and then Northmont. And we look at Wayne State, their leading scorer, put in 12 points... On the contest, Jordan Cornelius, also with four rebounds. And second in points was Tony Bonner with 10. Raiders winning it 73-58. to As we now swing over to the women's exhibition win against Indianapolis. That was a 92-44 to decision for the Raiders. Where Wright State scored 28 in the third while only allowing nine Greyhound points. In the 92-44 win at the Nutter Center. For the Raiders, 18 points by Mackenzie Taylor. Emily Vogelpohl with 13. Jalise Beck with 12. Evans with 11. And Welch with 10. You have five Raiders in double digits in scoring. And just two points away from a double-double pulling down 12 rebounds. Simone Simmons. And in this battle, it was 10 Raiders getting action on the court. No lead for UND at all, as the Raiders pulled down 44 points off turnovers and 36 points in the paint. Great exhibition win for the Raiders. As we tell you what's happening next, for the women, their season will begin this Friday in Lima, Ohio, taking on NAIA School, Northwestern Ohio. That will be Friday at 6, the 10th. Before opening the home portion of the slate, the 14th of November, a Tuesday against Eastern Illinois. For the men's basketball team, the season also begins on Friday in Chicago, Illinois, though, as the Raiders battle former Horizon League opponent, the Loyola Chicago Ramblers. The Raiders will have the WSU Miami battle on November 14th at Millette Hall. And the first game at the Nutter Center will be November 18th, which is a Saturday. The Murray State Racers come in to the Nutter Center before the Raiders host the Wright State Tournament. There's a lot of teams on here. The Raiders will be battling the Tiffin Dragons, the Garner-Webb Running Bulldogs, the Dolphins of Jacksonville, and the Stags of Fairfield. Not to be confused with Fairfield High School in Cincinnati. I don't know why I need to point that out, but I felt like I did. And wouldn't you know it, that's what I did. We move on to the Dayton Flyers. As I had a hand in helping out the women's basketball side. I have a new job for the Flyers for women's basketball. I'm running the DV Sport Replay System. A system that only officials can see. Think of it as... You know those pins that the maps on Apple have? I'm sure Google has something like it, but, 
you know, the pins, like push pins. Well, imagine that on a game, and I'm doing that, you know, to break up possessions and everything like that. I, I'm sure that got the gist of it, but anyway, the Flyers won their exhibition battle with, against the Finley Oilers with a 91-65 to triumph over the Oilers. We look at the box score, the Flyers, at one point, I believe at the half, they were shooting about 70% from beyond the arc. That number went down. As for the Flyers, they ended up shooting 45.5% from beyond the arc, a 10 out of 22. Leading the scoring for the Flyers was Scaife with 17 points, Wilmoth with 14 points, Lightfield 11 points, 11 rebounds for a double-double, 10 points for Dennis, and Canatelli with 12 points for UD, part of the 91 points scored home for the Flyers, where it was 10 seen action throughout all four quarters. For the Oilers of Finley, leading the scoring, two with 14 points, Engelbrecht and Hintz with 14, also 10 rebounds for a double-double for the Oilers, and Roof had 11 for Finley. 91 265 Flyers won it. And a game that had 1,386 people check out the first stage of three of the renovations to the University of Dayton Arena. Nice new video board. A nice scrolling board underneath it, too. Very, very sharp. I recommend checking it out. So we now look at the men's exhibition against Ohio Dominican, which coincidentally. Both of the exhibitions the Flyers had for basketball, part of the GMAC. Flyers taking on Columbus's Ohio Dominican. We look at the box score. Flyers winning at 79-61 to open up the Anthony Grant era, former Flyer, also UD alum, and also assistant coach to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Dayton put 37 points up in the first half, 42 in the second. Also in the paint, the Flyers dominated with 22 points to Ohio Dominican 6. Leading the scoring for the Flyers with 13 points and 6 rebounds, Josh Cunningham also recorded a steal in his 10 minutes of play. Zarius Williams, 11 rebounds on the day, all but one of those defensively. 9 points for Daryl Davis, 5 points for Swobata, the Flyers. Won it 79-61 against the Panthers of ODU. Leading the scoring for Ohio Dominican. Sam Hickey, he scored 14 points in the battle. By the way, for the Flyers, 12 saw action in the exhibition win. So we now go back to the schedule. For men's basketball, the season begins Friday at UD Arena. Against the Ball State Cardinals. And for the women, they're not back home until the 17th. Like I mentioned, I work with the women's basketball team for the DV Sport Replay System. The season begins with the main tournament in Orono, Maine, the Cross Insurance Center, against Harvard and the Crimson at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And then the Flyers will wait the winner of Maine and Tulane. That rhymed. That was pretty cool. 
Friday, November 17th, the first home game for the women's basketball Flyers as they host the Bears of Morgan State, and that will be a 7 o'clock battle. And another home game that weekend, the 19th of Sunday, 2 o'clock, it's the Flyers hosting Virginia. Now move on to the Miami Red Hawks. Like I mentioned during the podcast, this is the one basketball squad, the basketball squads, that I didn't see results for exhibition-wise. And I will go ahead and pull it up. I believe it's a closed scrimmage, Sunday, November 5th. Miami taking on Maryville and the Saints. I'm looking right now at MiamiRedHawks.com to see if there's anything I can pull up for it, and I'm not seeing anything. The season begins this Friday the 10th in the Bronx as the Red Hawks fly to Fordham before welcoming the Wright State Raiders in on the 14th at Oxford. And that will definitely be a broadcast I'll be listening to next week. The women's basketball Red Hawks will begin their season on the 10th of November. They'll host the Detroit Mercy Titans out of the Horizon League before taking off for two road games at Purdue and at Cincinnati before coming home, taking on former Horizon League Valparaiso. To Cincinnati basketball. We look at the men's basketball schedule first for Cincinnati. Had two exhibitions, one at Freedom Hall, the former home of the Louisville Cardinals. They play at the Yum Center. Not to be confused with Yuck Center. You know, the brand that has Taco Bell, KFC, another food chain I'm forgetting. A&W, another food chain I'm forgetting. And the Bearcats just finished off their last exhibition against Embry-Riddle at the BB&T Arena. That's the home of the Northern Kentucky Norse. And like I mentioned, Bearcats are working on renovating Fifth Third Arena, meaning it's out of use for 2017-2018. But a pair of wins for Coach Cronin's Cats in exhibition play. Taking down Bellarmine 89-61. And leading the scoring for the Bearcats with 15 points was Kyle Washington. Jaron Cumberland out of Wilmington putting in 12 and leading the rebound case. There's a couple Bearcats with five. Gary Clark with five. Kane Broom with five. Keith Williams. Also Trey Scott as well. For the Bearcats, 12. See the court against Bellarmine as the leading scorer was Adam Eberhard with 17 points, also seven rebounds in the battle. In the 101-68 win against Embry-Riddle, the Bearcats put up 56 points in the first half at their home away from home as Rudy Bib Boyd led the Eagles of Embry-Riddle in scoring with 19 points. Mackie McArthur with 13 for the Eagles and 10 for Joshua Hawkins. For Cincinnati, Cumberland burst out with 27 points and 4 assists to boot. Jacob Evans with 11 points. Kyle Washington and Nisomsi with 10 for UC. 101 points for the Bearcats in their win against Embry-Riddle. Season begins for UC 
at the BB&T Arena on Friday, November 10th against Savannah State. And that will be a noon start for the Bearcats. And they'll be back home Monday, November 13th against Western Carolina. Home against Coppin State on the 16th before hitting up the Cayman Islands Classic on the 20th and 22nd of November. Taking on Buffalo, Richmond, and a team to be announced for coming back home against Alabama State. And the one question you're probably asking, wins this Crosstown shootout? It's at Xavier Cintas Center, December 2nd, Saturday at, at noon. Saturday makes sense, noon for a big game like that. We now look at women's basketball. The lone exhibition for the Bearcats is held at Cincinnati State, the women's team playing the home of the Surge. Like I mentioned a couple podcast episodes ago, Cincinnati State got rid of all their athletic programs for a little bit, except soccer because they already had the teams lined up. So the Surge will be loaning the Bearcats their basketball gym for women's basketball for a couple of battles. The rest of them will be held at St. Ursula Academy, which is just a couple minutes from campus. The women won 77-35 against the Finley Oilers, a team that the Flyers took on. The Oilers managed just eight points in quarters number one, two, and three in the 77-35 loss. For the Oilers, Stegmeier led all with nine, six from Ellerbrock and Hintz, five rebounds by Stegmeier as well. For the Bearcats, leading the attack was Goings with 16 points. Owens had 13, 11 points from Antoinette Miller, and 9 points, 11 rebounds from Thomas. As the Bearcats put 40 points in the paint and cashed in an extra 20 off turnovers. At a lead as large as 42 with 118 to go in the game. For the women, the season begins on the road at Johnson City, Tennessee against East Tennessee State before the Bearcats welcome in the first home opponent, Slippery Rock University. A couple home games in a row. Southeast Louisiana, Miami, University of Pittsburgh, Eastern Kentucky, St. Francis, and Southeast Missouri State before hitting the road on their side of the Crosstown Shootout at Xavier on the 10th of December at 5. Before that, a road trip to Old Dominion for coming home, taking on Howard, Ohio State, Bowling Green, and then starting AAC play at ECU. On to the Muskies we go. I believe the Muskies beat Thomas Moore College. I didn't see the score, and looking at the website, I can confirm 78-38 Xavier was the final score. Thomas Moore College... The Saints, I mentioned the Saints in my fall sports preview. They're in the northern quadrant of the state. For Thomas Moore, leading all scores is Michael Griffin's 15 points. Brandon Horn, a point and two rebounds away from a double-double. Nine points, eight assists. And six points for Ryan Callahan. For the Musketeers, they are led with 16 points from Marshall. 13 points from Gates. Makura with 10 Two rebounds. Marshall, by the way, was one rebound shy of a double-double. Ten rebounds, nine points from Cantor. And we also have seven points, nine rebounds from Tyreek Jones. In that battle, 12 Musketeers 
found the floor. The season begins at home at the Cintas Center on November 10th at 7 against the Moorhead State Eagles. Another home match for Xavier on the 13th against Ryder before Xavier takes part of the Gavit Games at Wisconsin before coming back home taking on Hampton. Part of the Continental Tire Las Vegas Invitational taking on George Washington and then the winner of Kansas State, Arizona State for hosting Baylor and then Cincinnati. I do not see any exhibitions for Xavier women's basketball, but I can tell you the season starts November the 11th against New Hampshire at the Cintas Center. That's the Lauren Hill tip-off classic November 11th as Xavier takes on New Hampshire first at 5, and then Mount St. Joseph will come in, take on Hiram at 7 right after that. Xavier will have two more home games before taking on their first road game. Mount St. Mary's and Grambling at home before traveling to Minnesota. Fort Wayne and Wake Forest come into the Cintas before a trip to Bowling Green. And then Cincinnati comes in on the 10th of December. Bearcats at the Musketeers women's basketball. And that's our look at the colleges in D1 around the Sinday area. And that will wrap up episode 12 rather nicely. Like I mentioned, college basketball starting for most of these squads Friday, November 10th. Try to get you some results in the next episode, which I guess I'll go ahead and tell you now will be the third return of Mark Schlemmer. So if you listened throughout this entire podcast, first of all, thank you. Second of all, if you have any questions, feel free to leave them on Twitter, Facebook. You can message the page, I'm sure. You can message me if you want. And ask Mark your questions. That will wrap up episode number 12 here on the Gem of the Queen's Crown. Again, please follow me on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and Instagram too. Give the Gem of the Queen's Crown a thumbs up on Facebook. Give it a like. And you can also sign up for email updates on the page. Listen to this podcast on the LeeWMowen.com and also on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. And also Stream Pod, a new home for the gem on the Queen's Crown. And also listen on the home, the host of the podcast, GemCitySports.com. Next week is Mark Schlemmer. I'm looking forward to it. If you have questions, ask them. If I don't see the questions, I can't ask them. So get out your social media utensils, fire your questions away. Mark and I return next week. Until episode 13, Lee W. Mowen is signing off. Thanks for listening to The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Don't forget to like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcaster, The Lee W. Mowen, on Twitter and Instagram. Also, visit www.theleewmowen.com and www.gemcitysports.com